Please remember, the information in our podcast could be a trigger for some people. And if you or someone you know has been affected by sexual abuse, the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre 24-hour helpline is 1-800-77-8888. Hello, I'm Joyce. I'm June. And I'm Paula. We're the Kavanagh Sisters and we'd like to welcome you to our series of Count Me In podcasts where we continue to shine a light on childhood sexual abuse and its impacts. In today's podcast, we're going to talk about finding support and professional help. Why is it so important to get to find support and to find the right support? Well, I think there's a number of reasons why you need support. I think, especially when you're dealing with childhood sex abuse, you are going to do this on your own, no matter who you have around you. But definitely, it's a very lonely road if you don't have anyone that you can lean on. And that doesn't necessarily have to be somebody you know. It could be a confidential helpline. But it's too difficult to go through this roller coaster without having someone to share it with. I totally agree. I think the issue is just far too complex and your mental health would be in great danger trying to sort that out on your own. You are right. There, there's some things you just have to do on your own. It's like giving birth. Nobody can do that for you. But you do need support or you wouldn't get through it. And it's the same with this. Well, I kind of feel when I when I did go for help, I didn't go because I felt I needed it, to be perfectly honest. I went because Joyce made an appointment and I didn't want to be left behind. Because I was dealing with issues around everybody in the family as well as with Daddy. That made my journey so much more difficult because I didn't realise the importance of being able to share your journey with somebody. I didn't understand that it was important. Now I do. And now I know... If you have the right kind of support, it's not that it'll take the pain away, but it definitely, definitely helps you make uh, uh, things clear. You, you did resist it. You were in a lot of pain and it was difficult for you. But I also know you absolutely point blank wouldn't have done it if you didn't, on some level, want it yourself. But at the time, I think there was a number of reasons why I did it. That fear of being left behind only hit me because just prior to getting help, was the first time I ever felt included. All of a sudden, we all had a common enemy, which was the father. Which brought us all together. Yeah, and because I hadn't experienced that before, I wasn't willing to let go of it. Yeah. So if the price for not letting go of that was to go in and talk to somebody, yeah. I didn't see it as too high a price. Yeah. But I also didn't engage in it, which made the pain worse. <laughs> so are you saying before you went to counselling that you had no support? No, I didn't. I don't know if I felt like I had no support. I wouldn't have had an understanding of all that we had to face, but like I did feel I had you, and I actually felt I had you, and I felt the family were behind us, like the many family meetings we had. I found that very supportive. I'm not saying they would have helped with the deeper understanding bit, but it was support. I know myself, even when I look back now, I was so locked into rage at the time. And no matter what we were doing, I still felt the outfit was still getting away with stuff. It, like he was still, he wasn't suffering in my mind at that time. He certainly wasn't suffering as much as we were all suffering. And then I was looking at Mammy and uh, that devastation and I'd never seen her like that before. But I was torn between feeling, oh my God, the poor fucker. And oh my God, she fucking deserves it as much as he does. That wasn't something I could voice. I wouldn't have said to the two of you, Mammy's annoying me as much as he is. 
because everybody was feeling for Mammy and we were worried about her killing herself. I was torn at the time between the rage and the injustice that I felt that had been inflicted on me and then the people that I thought had inflicted it were the ones who now were all getting together and supporting each other. But at the same time, like it was kind of inflicted on all of us. We didn't ever sit down one day and decide, let's talk about this tomorrow. It wasn't like that. And the way it came out for us, it definitely felt like it was forced on. For me, the, the few times that we were all together having a few drinks and it would, it would seep out. Yeah. Somebody, one of us would say, some mention of what he did to us and in those words no deeper no more detail than that and we'd all end up crying and you know Paula would end up going home she'd go to the toilet and we'd never see her again but I felt supported in that yeah there was a sense that like that a common a common enemy that we were all together in this but I also had the feeling that it didn't it didn't heal anything it didn't heal the hell I was in, but definitely there was an awareness that, you know, we had each other. Yeah. And, you know, in many ways, we were so much, so lucky to have that because so many people lose their entire families. Absolutely. Whereas this... Like even sisters where it has happened among yeah. each other, just been sisters that aren't in denial about it, aren't ready yet to cope with it, have com- have suppressed it so much, they absolutely don't even believe it. They're not just not ready yet. And I think it can be really difficult because, like, for for me at the time, I was convinced that even if he had went near anybody else, he didn't do to them what he did to me. So I was so locked in that train of thought so that I, I wasn't capable of seeing used to or victims at the time. Even though we were all saying we were victims or were making statements, I had absolutely no ability to, to feel that or to acknowledge that because I was so trapped in my own Yeah, you see, even that being trapped in it, it didn't help you to acknowledge what you had been through either. Because I remember sitting there, I didn't know which fucking end of me was up. But I remember you were very regimental. You had a plan and you wanted our help to make this plan work. And the plan at the time was to get rid of him. Yeah. Like, we didn't even know what that would look like. Now, we weren't fighting against this because we needed rid of him too, but we knew getting rid of him wasn't enough. We no, would have to actually do something. And at that time, my, my thought pattern was, I didn't care what we did with him as long as he couldn't come back to the house. And in order for him not to be capable of coming back to the house, in my head, I was thinking the only way he won't come back in this door is if he goes to jail. I didn't see getting him committed. And but I thought if he was actually committed, he there's no way he'd get out. Because once he start, once they start delving into what he did, there was no release from. And you see, and I didn't think that. I thought and he I had a way out. I mean, he signed himself into that. Into uh, by means of thinking it would get him away with avoiding jail and, and really answering for his crimes. So that wasn't on any of our agendas. No. That was something he introduced to the whole scenario. But when we, when we called the doctor down to ask, could we then get him committed? In my head, that's not where I was going to go. Because to me, that was still a soft cushion for him. Mm-hmm. I wanted him in jail, battered. <laughs> like I wanted him to go in there and get <laughs> fucking riddled by somebody else. <laughs> to go in there and like they do in the movies, I want him to get thrown into a cell with this big, huge <laughs> muscle guy who raped him that's yeah. all i could see and that it wouldn't have entered my head because i just wanted him gone 
No, you see, and I understand when I see, like if we're on Facebook and that, you see people putting up comments about castrate them, hang the bastards. I so get where they're coming from because I stayed in that for quite some time. Thank God I didn't move in and build a house there. But you see, unless you do get the support to understand and move forward, we would all still be there. Yeah. And yeah. That's, that just highlights the importance and the need for the healing to happen. Because that's exactly where we all would have stayed. And that is not a good place for and anybody to stay. When we talk about getting support and all that, I understand somebody being afraid to, to go for therapy or to get counselling. I totally get their fear level with that. But this is not something you can do on your own. I don't care who you are. I did everything I could to try and do this on my own. I tried to walk the steps. I even went into therapy and still tried to do it on my own. Thought I knew more than the person sitting across from me. You have to be able to share with somebody in some form, some shape. If it's writing letters, if it's on an anonymous phone line, if it's ringing up the likes of the Rape Christ Centre 1 and 4, Carrie, I don't care who you ring. You have to be able to talk to somebody who's just going to be able to let you hear what you're saying. But I also think it's crucial to have support at home. I, I'm thinking of what we went through um, with our partners and all that, and I felt he didn't support me. You know, in hindsight, I can see why he didn't and why it was actually impossible for him to do so. But I do think, yeah, alongside your counselling or therapy, you do need support at home be it your partner, a friend, even to be able to come home and ring a helpline and have a yeah. conversation about, you know, the remnants of what you've just experienced. It's as essential that they are supported because people with the best of intentions keep trying to fix you. Men really feeling want to do something physical, something tangible to help you. And it's very difficult for them if they're not at least brought into the picture and told what to expect yeah. and what's happening. And that it's actually not, not to do with The them. reason you're behaving like this yeah. is because of this, yeah. They wouldn't have had that understanding and I hadn't got the capacity to share that no. because I didn't have the understanding either. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> can support you if, they're not, if they don't know how to. Far. I went around raging, unconsciously raging. So there's no way your partner could support me. And there's also no way they didn't take that personal. So it would have helped if they'd have been able to have a conversation with somebody to at least understand my behaviour. Because yeah. I couldn't. Yeah, and you were not the one to tell them. So it does have to happen in therapy where they're brought in under the net and told what are the likely outcomes, what are the typical behaviours they're going to experience in their partner and why. It is vitally important that because they do feel threatened, especially if you go off sex, which you're bound to. The first thing they think is, oh my God, she doesn't love me anymore. We're finished. And uh, you end up having rows over sex and whatever else. And it just adds to your trauma. You're already Most going through. Most of the rows I would have had would have been that counselling is fucking up your head and it's... You know, yeah, you were perfectly fine before yeah, you went yeah. in. And I understand that because I actually felt perfectly fine before I started. And I felt my world fell apart when I did start. Now, I could see the benefits because I was learning so much about myself. Their feelings of being hurt and left out and threatened possibly losing you didn't really make them amenable to having a conversation about how your therapy session went. So it shut you off from the person closest to you in your life yeah. that should have been able to be there for you 
And you don't necessarily have to share every detail with them, but the fact you couldn't talk about it at all because already they had that as the issue. The therapy was messing up their partner yeah. and removing their partner possibly from their life. So you couldn't discuss it with them. And the, the manner in which you behaved before you went into therapy with your friends, out for a drink, having a chat, whatever you did, also alters because all of a sudden you want to have real meaningful conversations and small talk becomes very difficult. You can't lean on your friends for support because you haven't told them what you're going through because you, you don't have them skills. Yeah, the victim is probably the last one who's capable of telling you. And that's why you need that support from a counsellor or a therapist. Yes. Yeah. And there is a difference between counselling or therapy. Like the well, there's two, different, there's two different things that most victims of abuse go for. There's counselling or the psychotherapy. But the counselling, for instance, is, is designed to be short-term. It's to deal with your behaviour. It's something that's current. And that can be very good to get you through your day, but it's not going to help the problem. Whereas psychotherapy is about long-term goals and your emotional needs. And, so, and looking at the root of yeah, the problem. Yeah, and the balance is to try to get somebody who's trained in both those fields. Because, and that's what you will get if you go to, to services like the Rape Crisis Centre, one in four, carry. If you go to those designated spots where people are specifically trained to deal with sexual violence, then you have a chance. Because I don't believe every counsellor is going to be right for you because they're, they're dealing with different... They wouldn't be equipped to deal with the no. complexities. And of... I'm not knocking you. You can have any therapy you like because anything will not be wasted. But if you really want to deal with your abuse, you need somebody who's trained. It hasn't got all the answers. You know, only by means of it putting you on the ladder to healing. It does give you the ability to, to even identify the questions, because we didn't know the questions. I was under some illusion that when I went there, they're going to cure me, yeah. and I'm going to get out of here, and I'd be different. And it didn't happen. Yeah. To me, it reminded me of June's confession thing. I used to literally try and make stuff up. What would feel? How could I possibly feel? Like, I didn't have a name for emotions. But I felt like I was in confession and I had to make something up yeah. that'd fit and get me off the hook. But I was there for a long time before I realised I have to actually do something here. They're not doing anything. Yeah. I have to do it. And that was shocking. Like, yeah. Well, we are very different. We experienced our abuser very differently. Yeah. Because we have different personalities. We responded to it differently. We responded to therapy differently. Yeah. Like, I would say, me and you, Joyce, would have been a bit similar in the fact that we walked in and handed our lives over and expected them to fix it and give it back to us fixed. Yeah. Paul, it would have went in. Gave them nothing and expected nothing. to fix it. But you also sat there thinking, I know more than yeah. this person. You see, I was playing the role of the, you know, you see the fella's a strong, silent type. That's the role I was playing. You know the way you have the conversations before you actually have a conversation? The conversations in my head would be very different than what would play out in the room. And as soon as I went into that room and the door was closed, it was like, what? You want me to speak now? Some of the times I felt like laughing because you'd be sitting in silence. And it would be like, who's more stubborn here? Who's going to give in first? And I'd be sitting there going, I was a child in that room having a tantrum. I didn't know that, but that's exactly what I was doing. Because if I spoke in the room, and I only realised this with hindsight, if I had have spoken in the room, I would have had to feel something. And I wasn't going there. And I, I found the one-to-one just far too threatening. The group session was much better for me. I was able to listen and be moved by other people. I'd have to join in 
And before you know it, I was just spilling the beans. I was talking my head off. Yeah. But in a one-on-one, the focus and attention on me would have brought me back to school. When I went into the group, I think I, I went into the group like I went into the family. And I behaved the way I would have in the family. So I went in, said nothing, and tried to hide behind somebody. You don't have to talk in a group to get something out of yeah. it. Yeah. Because even listen to other people's pain. Well, then, the one thing you'd feel straight away is, I'm not on my own. Yeah. And there was and comfort that, and in that alone. I never felt that. When I was sitting in a group and people were telling their stories, I never felt I could relate to another story being told in that room. Because I was so cut off. There was nothing I could relate to. All that did was affirm to me that I was different than everybody else. I was so frustrated leaving because I hadn't spoken. Yeah. Because I didn't get anything off my chest. So I carried it all out with me. We had no idea we had any choice in what was happening. This was just another situation in our life where somebody else was going to tell yeah, us what yeah. to do because we hadn't got a clue. And we were so confused, we couldn't take part in our own healing because of that. Like what we realised afterwards was the importance of knowing you had a choice. Yeah. And I suppose a very simple thing is like the realisation that you were a victim seems like a very obvious piece of information but that took us a long time yeah but you see June you know it's like everything else it's words like logically we know we were victims but there's no way we walked in there honestly truly believing in our heart and soul that we were victims on a level absolutely we we did nothing but the more we learned and the more we dealt the more we realized how responsible we felt like I've often talked about how difficult it is to make the decision to go and deal with your past and to actually get in there and see what it's all about. My fear at the time, and again, it's always hindsight. And I wasn't afraid I'd find it was a victim. I was afraid I'd find out I wasn't. That's what the fear was. I was afraid I was going to find out that I was inherently evil. And all of this I attracted to me because I was evil. Other people might frame that differently, but I think that's what, that is a major thing that stops people coming forward and getting help. The bit I just said there about the recognition that you're a victim, yeah. that took us so long because on some level, we didn't believe we were really a victim. Because of that, I wouldn't have been able to take on board that you two were victims. Because by taking on that you were victims, and it's not, this is probably going to sound a bit wacky, but it's like, well, I wasn't special. I was, I was the same as them, and I never thought I was the same as anybody. Well, I, I mean, it's interesting, even now that you use a word like that, when you're referred to sexual abuse, yeah. that because we were, she wasn't special. That'll just show you but all the work we've done, and we've done heaps, and we know even now, no matter what we do, we're still learning. But to come out with a sentence like that, it just shows you. In your victimhood, you were special. You were even a bigger victim than we were. It sounds to me like the compensation of being a victim was to know there was something about it. It was only me, I was yeah. special. Because everything else, I didn't feel I was part That's of that. It, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. as you said, you don't you don't realize the language you're using yourself, and how that holds you into your story. And the problem is, we have a story. We all grew up with a story. It's not a nice story, but it's the only story we have. Yeah. So, we just have to be careful how we're telling that story. And I'm not saying change anything. I'd be saying, when you're telling your story, listen to what you're saying. Because statements like that tell you heaps about what's really going on. They do. And I mean, I think that's 
one of the valuable reasons for finding a good therapist because you don't know what you know. You don't know what's going on in your head because the mind never stops. And because you've held this a secret for a long time, it was the largest portion of, well, your entire childhood, you held a secret, which means you never had the opportunity to discuss any element of this and what it meant and what it felt like. So in, in your head, all of those emotions, and, and we were abused so many times, countless times, we couldn't even say. So the response and the emotional impact of that is all jumbled into one. So you haven't got a hope in hell of sorting all that out on your own. Yeah. But it's a mess in here, and by communicating it, you get, and even sometimes if you say it and it's wrong, you can adjust it, and you can get the gist of what, what it actually meant now. You can't figure that all out when it's inside. Thanks for listening. Hopefully some of the information we have shared will resonate with you. This will give you a deeper understanding of yourself, plus allow you to move into a space where you can show compassion to yourself. Please know that no matter how you feel or how you reacted to the abuse, it was normal. We are hopeful and optimistic that those in any position of power to bring about change will be moved into action so we can finally eradicate childhood sexual abuse. So please spread the word and share the information. Thank you. The decision to heal from childhood sexual abuse places you on the most important journey of your life. You're in charge of this journey. Only you know what works for you and what doesn't. It takes as long as it takes because there's no rush in it and there's no fake in it. You have to feel it. And just as the ripple of pain that you're in goes out and impacts all of those around you, so does the healing. And the more you heal, the more everyone around you benefits from your healing. You've been listening to the Kavanagh Sisters Count Me In podcast. You can contact us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram or directly at thecavanaghsisters at gmail.com. We would like to leave you with a quote that you can take with you throughout your day. Recovering from childhood sexual abuse isn't easy. But to do on your own is impossible. It's far too complex. You need help to, to find the answers you seek that will help you ultimately move on and live your life on your terms.